Well, once again, I just want to welcome you all um, back for another semester here. Uh, this is my first semester here. Uh, if you weren't here at the beginning, I introduced myself. I'm Father Connor Danstrom. Um, I am the new chaplain here at the Newman Center, John Paul II Newman Center. And it's my honor, and I'm so excited to start this year and to start fresh. Um, I'm a product myself of a Newman Center. I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign a million years ago, uh, and then later to the seminary, and now I'm a priest. I've been a priest for four years, and uh, the Cardinal appointed me as of July 1st to be here at Newman, and it's so exciting for me because I remember sitting in a seat just like you're sitting in right now, 15 years ago, starting college, starting a new life, 18 years old, and a world full of possibilities, and so I'm so happy that you're here and honored that you've decided to come. You new students, you who are returning and know Newman well, um, it's a beautiful testament to your faith that you're here. I was thinking recently about um, a little memory I had from a couple years ago. It was Christmas Eve, and my mother had gotten one of those um, old video cassettes. They used to have camcorders that every once in a while your grandpa would pull out at, at parties and stuff with your family back in the 90s. And uh, those little tapes, you could never, like, they didn't play in the VCR, you had to hook up the camera, you never got to see them. So we, there were millions of videos of us as kids that we never really saw. So my mom had taken some of those tapes and put them onto a DVD, which we could play. So after Christmas dinner was over and everything, and presents were open, we went down to the basement and we watched some of these old videos. And a lot of them are boring, it's just like, you know, the... The uncle would forget that he had the camera recording and it would go down to the bottom and whatever. He'd just watch his leg for a while while he walked around and overhear a little bit of conversation. But uh, it was a lot of Memorial Days. They would come out for some reason. And every Memorial Day when we were kids, we used to go to my uncle's house who had a pool because it was summertime and hot. And so I was looking for myself in this video. And uh, it was like 1989, 1990, so I was really young, three or four or five years old. And uh, there I was clinging to the side of the pool with an inner tube around me and my dad trying to tell me, like, it's okay, it'll help you float, you know? And I, rem- I remember that memory, even though it was, I was so young, I was really, really nervous around water. And even though I had this inner tube and I was clutching it, I would still not want to get off the side of the pool because what if I go out and then I start sinking and I drown and I die? It was like this primal fear that I had of, of sinking in the water. And uh, I remembered it was some embarrassment. I was like, gosh, I was such a coward as a little kid. I was so nervous. But I also remembered the first time in that same pool at my uncle's house when I first went to the deep end with nothing, no flotation, no inner tube, no water wings, nothing. And I just like went under the water and came back up and like doggy paddled and I I could float myself. And I realized, I can swim. (laughs) I never realized I could swim before. And then it was like the most exciting thing. I didn't want to get out of the pool because then you're just going down and up and swimming, jumping into the pool and all this stuff and all the fun of being a kid on a hot day in a pool. And that memory to me is like emblematic of that mix of excitement and fear that we sometimes get in life, this balance of where there's something totally terrifying of letting go of the side of the pool letting go with nothing to hold on to to keep you afloat. You just got to trust that somehow I'm going to figure this out. Somehow I'm going to not die in here. And it's scary, but it's exciting because once you do it, you realize, I can do this. 
And you grow in this confidence, you grow in this idea of yourself that I can do things that I didn't think I could do before. To me, that's like going to college was the experience I had that was like that, where you leave home for the first time. I am ashamed to say I had never done my own laundry. My mom spoiled me. She had to teach me before I left for college, like separating the whites from the darks. And I remember texting my brother, because I was so ashamed to ask my mom, hey, do you have to separate the colors in the dryer too, or is that just the washing machine? <laughs> I still don't know. I don't do it. But... Stepping totally out of your comfort zone into something totally new. And it was scary. You know, like all my friends, now I have to make new ones. You know, uh, high school, I figured that out. I knew how to go to class. I knew how to get good grades. Here you, you know, going to lecture halls with 500 people in them and you don't know how to do this. You know, everything is brand new. Everything, every experience is new to you. But it's exhilarating because there's infinite possibility. But it's scary because it's infinite uncertainty. Like, what major do I have to pick? Do I even know? I picked biochemistry, but my mom basically picked it for me. She's <laughs> like, you, you, you got good grades in chemistry, why don't you do that one? It's like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. I ended up liking it, I worked in a lab and everything, but obviously I didn't end up a biochemist. But you're just trying things, there's infinite possibilities, but infinite uncertainty. I was at Marketplace the other day, a few weeks ago, with the transfers and the freshmen as they go around, um, and all the people giving their little pamphlets. I was out at the picnic today, too, trying to sell, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, come, to, come to Newman, you know, and there's all these people trying to hawk their merchandise and their free stuff. But I could see in the faces of those kids walking around, you know, especially the ones you could tell this is their first year in college, that excitement and that fear. And there was one girl who came up and she was all smiles. She was like totally pumped to be at UIC. And uh, I said, so are you excited to be in college? And she's like, oh yeah, I got a fresh start. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be myself. I'm leaving behind the old life. I'm starting a new one. And I was like, yes, that's, that's it. Because in high school, I had all these hang-ups, you know, and I was trying to fit in, and, and now I can be myself, because now I, I, can, I can do this. It's like going in the deep end of the pool. I can do this. I don't have to cling to the side. I don't have to be afraid. Great if you have that self-confidence, but some of us don't. Some of us are afraid. What if I am really myself? Will people like me? Remember, the hardest thing in, in junior high and high school was trying not to be a follower. I don't know if you had that term when you were in high school or junior high. People would be like, you're such a follower. Which meant that you're not doing something because you like doing it, you're just doing it because other people like to do it. Or you like that band because it's popular. And You're only cool, it's the hardest thing in the world, you're only cool if you like the right things, if you're cool, but you're not trying to be cool. Right? You, you have to fit in, but look like you're not trying to fit in. Right? It's this impossible paradox. Eventually I just decided my dorky thing was actually cool. I was in the band and Boy Scouts and all this. I was like, I don't care if you care. That's what's true self-conscious. That's what being cool actually is, being yourself. But it's so easy to go along with the crowd, is my point. This first reading today, Joshua has led the people Israel to the Promised Land. They're at the River Jordan. 
just about to cross into the land of Israel, the, the promised land that God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Moses, as you know, had led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Red Sea and then through the desert. Forty years they wandered and God fed them with manna from heaven. And they learned how to worship God. God gave them the Ten Commandments. This is how I want you to live. They kind of fell away from those Ten Commandments a couple times. They worshipped a bronze or a golden calf. and They'd fallen away, but God was training them to be faithful to Him, not to worship false gods. And in that desert, they learned to love God and realize that God loved them. And that God wanted them to be happy, so He brought them to this promised land, the land of milk and honey, the land of plenty. And Joshua is about to lead them over the river Jordan and into this promised land. And he stops. And he gets all of Israel together and basically says, you have to make a choice now. Because in the desert we were all alone. It was kind of easy. Right? You didn't have a choice. There was only one God out there and it was Yahweh and he was feeding you and you better worship him. But in here, in the promised land, there's people who worship all kinds of different gods. Some are gods of money. Some are gods of power. Some are gods of sex and pleasure. Some are gods of fame and honor. People worship different things. They worship an image of what they want God to be like. Or what they want to be like. Instead of what God wants them to be. And so he says, you have to choose now, before you go over, whether or not you're going to be faithful. Whether you're, not going, to, whether you're going to follow God or follow the crowd. And this is what he says to them. He says, let me find it. This powerful, powerful line. Far be it from us to forsake the Lord. This is what the people say after he says, If it does not please you to serve the Lord, decide today whom you will serve. Decide today whom you will serve. The gods of your fathers, the gods your fathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, these are the false gods, in whose country you are now dwelling. And he says, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He makes that decision. My friends, this is the decision you have to make now. Crossing the river of your life, whether you're a new student or you're a returning student. When you're at this age, this is when you're you're getting off of the side of the pool. Your parents aren't here to make you go to Mass. Maybe they are, I don't know. Some of of your parents are here. (laughs) But next week they won't be, right? And you'll have to decide whether you're going to follow the crowd or whether you're going to follow the Lord. That's a difficult choice to make. Because nobody wants to look weird. Nobody wants to feel weird. You want to fit in. But this Lord, this God who has fed you, who has taken care of you, who has raised you, informed you, and taught you how to live, He will sustain you. He will provide for you. You will float if you let go and trust in Him. I got to Newman, as I said, down in Champaign when I was 18, and uh, began to get involved in different things, in the Bible studies, and going to Mass, and going to confession, and things like that. But I didn't start from scratch in Newman. I had a foundation from my growing up in my house. My mother was Catholic, and she had brought us to church every Sunday. My dad converted to Catholicism when I was in high school. And that example of seeing him decide to be Catholic, unlike us, who just were born that way, and we just learned it like we learned our ABCs. My dad chose it, and it really struck me. I was like 14, 15 years old. We started reading the Bible together. 
and trying to figure out what it meant. And then I was starting to listen more at Mass to the homily. It's like, yeah, what if, I've heard that gospel before. I want to know what, what the Father has to say about that. And so when I got to college, I was like, yeah, it's not really normal. Most of the kids are just like having fun. It's the best four years of your life. Go enjoy life, you know. But I had this thing, this like little bug in my head or, that haunted me. Like, you've got to check this out. So I signed up for a Bible study and started going. And I met some guys there, and they became my closest friends. And then we met more, and we started going to Mass. I started getting involved. I was an altar server and all this stuff. And it became my home. And I learned two things that were very important. One was, at Newman, it was the first time anyone had ever asked me, what does God want you to be? It wasn't, what do you want to be when you grow up? That was the question I've been getting since first grade. My first answer was, an astronaut. And then it was Michael Jordan. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? I have no idea. But they changed the question. What does God want you to be? And that completely opened my mind to new possibilities. I started praying in the chapel. I started coming and stopping in and actually spending like 10, 20 minutes in front of the Blessed Sacrament, in front of the tabernacle, and asking God that question. What do you want me to be? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Totally changed my life. The second thing I learned was the principle of the charcoal and the fire. Is that if you have a fire going, it makes coals, hot coals, and they keep each other warm. It's a chain reaction of combustion. But if you take one of those coals out of the fire and put it in the dirt away from the other coals, it'll go out. But that same coal in the fire is being kept warm by the fire and keeping the other parts of the fire warm. And our faith is exactly like that. If you are around other faithful Catholics, other faithful disciples, especially ones who are like you, your age, your occupation, student, your common interests, you realize that you're not alone. I don't have to do this alone, that God is with me and so are my friends. And I went to Focus Conference. We have this, again, this year, Seek 2019 in January. I really recommend you go. It'll be in Indianapolis where 15,000 college students go and like kneel in front of the Blessed Sacrament and sing praise and worship and listen to talks on how to live your life according to Christ and His commandments. And I was like, I didn't even know there were two or three of these people, college students, that wanted to be faithful Christians, faithful Catholics. But there's 15,000 that are hungry for the Gospel, hungry for God's will in their life. Get in the fire. Get around other coals that are burning with faith. And they'll keep you ignited. They'll keep you warm. This place, Newman, is your house. You belong here. This is your family. You don't have to spend all your time here, right? You can take a nap here if you want, but this is your house. Those couches, that kitchen, this chapel, me, the staff here. We're your family. And we want you here. Because college is a difficult time. And this is a difficult time to be Catholic. So some things you can get involved in while you're here. This Welcome Week, this is our first Mass of the year. Tomorrow uh, we'll have uh, lunch on the lawn from 12.30 to 2 or 2.30. It'll be free hot dogs, so you're probably busy, but come by and get some free food. Come out and hang in, out in the lounge. Every day we'll have Mass at 12.05. Wednesdays and Thursdays we'll have Mass at 5.15. Wednesday all day we'll have adoration from 9 to 5.00. Ending with Mass. Confessions will be Tuesday, 11 to 12. 
And uh, Wednesday, 4.15 to 5.15 before Mass, come by, you can come to confession, or even if it's not that time, just ring the bell, I'll come out, you can, I'll hear your confession. You can get involved in all sorts of things. Stu- new student retreat, if you're a new student, September 8th, an all-day retreat just for new students to get acclimated, to, to, to share with each other, to share your faith, and to worship. Koinonia retreat, some of you have probably already gone on Koinonia. This year will be in February. Very, very good thing to get involved in. Liturgical ministries, you can be an altar server or a lector. You see some students who are returning or are already in those roles, Eucharistic minister. And then, as I mentioned, SEEK, the Focus Conference, will be in Indianapolis, and we're taking a busload of students, hopefully with the seminarians, and we'll all go down to SEEK and have an awesome time. If you want to hear updates, if you want regular kind of news on what's going on at Newman, things to get involved in, this is the only time in church I'm ever going to ask you to pull out your cell phones. Pull out your cell phones right now if you have them. Okay? They're probably off. I'm sure you turned them off because you wanted to hear every word of the homily, not without being disturbed. Okay, and text to the number 84576. 84576. Text the word JP, the number 2, Newman. Again, that number is 84576. Just text the word JP to the number two, Newman. And something will pop up and you can check all the things that you're interested in. Small group Bible studies, liturgical ministries. Anything that you want to get, get involved in or hear updates on, you can do that. Again, that's 84576, JP the number two, Newman. Okay, so again, there's many things you can get involved in here. Uh, Newman is your home. You belong here. This is your family. But I just want to recognize the facts. I'm not going to lie. Right now is a very difficult time to be Catholic. Okay, I don't know how much you read the news, but it's a difficult time to be a priest, to be honest with you. A lot of people out there uh, don't know who to trust, what to believe. Is the church a corrupt institution? You know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, we were dealing with the whole abuse scandal, and now it seems like everything is like a bad nightmare that's coming back. I want to say that those concerns and those anxieties and those difficulties are very real. But the church needs you. And you need the church. Because when people say, oh, I'm leaving the church, it's no good, or, you know, I, my parents made me go to Mass, and, and I went to 12 years of Catholic school, I've had enough Mass and enough church, I'm going to go out on my own, right? I'm going to be myself. I'm going to think for myself. But I'll tell you what, if you find another place where you can get the body and blood of Jesus Christ to give you life, eternal life, let me know about it. But the Catholic Church, imperfect as she is, and made up of human beings, saints and sinners, just like you and me, this is where we meet God. And the world needs saints. It needs holy people who give their life totally to Him, who ask the question, what does God want me to be? What does God want me to do? These people who don't follow the crowd and just do what everybody else does just to fit in. People who decide right now to follow Jesus. And I'll end with this. The Gospel today is Jesus after the Bread of Life discourse in John chapter 6 where he 
is basically telling people, I am the bread of life. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you have no life within you. This, this belief we hold so dear that Jesus really is transubstantiated, the bread and wine become his body and blood, soul and divinity, that we receive Jesus himself when we come to communion. He's telling them this and they're like, that's really weird, dude. We, we need to eat you and drink your blood? What is this? And they're like, is it a metaphor? Like, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Like, you're not actually a vine, I'm not actually a branch. Is that how you mean it? Like, we're just going to eat your teachings or something? No, he says. If you don't eat my flesh and you don't drink my blood, you'll have no life. You'll have no inheritance. You won't go to heaven. You have to do this. You have to, we have to be as close, closer than husband is to wife, or mother is to child. We have to be as close as nourishment is to your bones, as your food is to your body. That's how close I want to be. We, we need to be one flesh. And what does it say? A bunch of people leave. They're like, okay, I was up with you up to like healing the paralytics and the blind people and all this love your enemy stuff. That was cool, but eat your blood or eat your flesh and drink your blood. I can't do that. And they leave. And then Jesus turns to his closest friends, Peter and the apostles, and he says, do you want to leave too? He doesn't say, please stay, oh, come on, I'll change my teachings, I'll be different. He says, do you want to leave too? And what does Peter say? Where would we go? (laughs) We already left everything, dude. We left our boats, our nets, our livelihood, our families. We staked everything on you. You have the words of eternal life. I don't know anywhere else to find that, Peter basically says. And he stays, and he stays faithful. Peter's not perfect. The apostles weren't perfect. But they knew which side their bread was buttered on, right? They knew who had the words of eternal life. It was Jesus Christ. So it will take courage for you to be and stay Catholic in college and in the rest of your life. But I promise you it will be worth it. I promise you it will give you the direction that you're looking for in the midst of these infinite possibilities and infinite uncertainties. God has a will for your life. And it's a good plan. He loves you. He knows you. So come here. Belong here. Stay warm in this fire of faith and friendship and family and community and communion. You're welcome here and we're here to help you.